Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to show number 318 from Engage for Success. Uh, I'm host for today's show. I'm Joe Moffat. And for those of you who uh, don't know me, I'm co-host along with my uh, co-strategy director at Engage for Success, Joe Dodds. And between us, we host these weekly radio shows where we like to shine a light on best practice, interview practitioners with great stories to tell um, about the work they've been doing inside their organizations around engagement, or interview thought leaders and consultants who've got a new angle on the topic. Um, and today, um, we're going to be looking at the um, eight attributes of the future fit HR leader. Um, and I'm going to be joined in, on today's show by Sean Harrington. Sean is co-founder and editorial director of the People Space. Um, now, we've had one or two technical challenges connecting um, in advance of the show. So I'm very much hoping that Sean has managed to connect with us. Um, and just to check that, I will say, hello, Sean, are you there? Hi, Joe. can you hear me? Yes, indeed, I can, and ah. that's lovely, and we are live on air, so that's uh, by the skin of our teeth uh, for our listeners' benefit there. I was just explaining we've had one or two technical challenges, so I'm delighted that you managed to make it through, Sean. Um, so I've just done the intro, um, a 318th show, um, and... Uh, you're going to be uh, joining us today to, to talk through over the next sort of half hour um, thoughts around what makes a, a, an HR leader fit for the future. Um, and so uh, thank you very much for joining us. Um, and um, I hope, hope it's not been too stressful trying to connect. I think it's that technology <laughs> sometimes can uh, throw a few obstacles in the way, can't it? But, uh, but never mind, you're here now, so that's great. Um, so, Sean, perhaps um, before we kick off and talk about future fit HR leadership and what that really means, what it looks like. Tell us a little bit about, about your background, because this isn't an area you've always been involved in, is it? I think your your profession is one of journalism, am I right? That's correct, yes. I've been a, a journalist for, uh, well, three decades now, um, always written about business uh, journalism, so covered a whole range of, uh, of issues from mm -hmm. the retail sector to the food and drink sector, um, through to marketing and leisure um, and around about 12 years ago got involved in uh, the HR space with uh, HR magazine which I was mm -hmm. previously uh, the editor of and then um, also publishing director with a, a right. range of different uh, titles under my belt and that's that's where I got very interested in in the role that people can play um, in in, uh, in obviously helping the the business to grow but to grow sustainably mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, excellent. And um, and we met, didn't we, at the Business Culture Awards last month, where they were announcing the finalists. That's correct. Yes, so we're the media partner at the the People Space for the Business Culture Awards, and of course, culture is a very important uh, and part of this uh, this whole issue. So I'm sure we'll touch upon it sometime in the next half I'm an sure. hour. <laughs> I'm sure we will. I'm sure we will. So so just tell us a little bit, if you would, um, Sean, before we get into the details. Um, just explain what what people space is, who who it is, what you know, what what's it about? Okay, well, so we call the people space um, a place for curious people leaders, <laughs> um, right. and it's about 
um, that there's a number of uh, parts to it, but basically it's about unlearning uh, the traditional um, sort of background that you've had, really, sharing um, and supporting with your peers and um, mm -hmm. advancing your own capabilities uh, so that you can sort of accelerate your both your personal and your business impact. And uh, we, we focus on really reinventing yourself and your teams in today's digital workplace. Uh, so our actually call ourselves your concierge for curiosity, context, and connection. <laughs> and, okay. Uh, part of what we do is uh, an online magazine, uh, which mm -hmm. is free access to, to anybody. So there you can see great uh, pieces from thought leaders, uh, practice pieces from people mm -hmm. who are all involved in uh, sort of moving their workplaces forward. But we mm -hmm. also have a community. Um, we have a Future Fit HR program and uh, some personalized workshops um, and an academy. So we have a, a few sort of facets. But the, right. the key thing is we believe that um, the future of work is up for grabs and that HR has got the opportunity to seize it and to shape it, uh, but mm -hmm. needs to jump in now and make sure they're part of the, the conversation. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. So very complementary, really, to what we're what we're about is engage for success. I think, and um, yes. clearly, uh, as far as engage for success as the movement is concerned, we try to broaden our our reach out beyond HR and and, and involve the, the wider senior management team as well, and also, of course, uh, line managers and people leaders and so on, um, yes. team leaders and, and so on. But uh, but clearly, HR directors and HR leaders have always been very very much a driving force behind the engage with success movements as well. So um, a nice complimentary fit. So it's great to have you on the show. So tell us the idea of future fits. Where, where, how did that come about? Yeah, well, I think the, um, I, I've always been interested, uh, as I said, for the last, see me, sorry, I hope you're not getting the feedback I am. <laughs> um, um, no, I, no, didn't get that. Yeah, um, I've uh, been interested in talking about um, sort of future readiness, I think. But th mm -hmm. there's this little phrase at the moment, future of work, which we keep mm -hmm. hearing everywhere, but which actually is a yeah. bit redundant because what people are talking about is happening now. Um, mm. and, and I think the um, what we're trying to, to talk about is that traditionally a lot of uh, Sort of sectors, so not just HR, but you know, you could say marketing or um, sales. It's, it's all been about the technical skills. But mm. what's happening now is the speed of change is is so quick um, that actually the technical skills are one thing, but they become obsolete really quickly. And what's mm -hmm. much more important is you have the sort of wider wider skills which enable you to to adapt. And we talk a lot about that in the context of the employees. And, and the mm -hmm. workers, but of course it's just as relevant for the leaders, regardless of whether they're the CEO or the HR director, you know, the sales director. Um, okay. I, I think that that's that's sort of the idea of being future fit. So mm -hmm. it, it was interesting that only uh, a couple of weeks ago or so, IBM brought out a, a survey um, of more than four and a half thousand executives in 50 countries, mm -hmm. and what issues they were talking about were not the technical skills that traditionally people learn when they go into their profession, but the important sort of social and behavioral skills that are needed much mm -hmm. more today. So they're things mm -hmm. like, you know, just leadership, influence, problem solving. Mm -hmm. 
that mm-hmm. type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, em- empathy, I suppose, emotional intelligence, these sorts of things. Yeah, yeah. And, and mm-hmm. as the, the workplace is changing so much, we talk about lifelong learning, we're talking about mm-hmm. um, the employee experience, as, as you very, um, you know, are very strong on, um, digital, HR, data, you know, this new sort of networked uh, modern organization. Um, I think it's really important that HR doesn't get left um, <laughs> sort of behind spending all its yeah. time getting everyone else ready for it and actually not yes. getting ready itself. Um, yes. And, and uh, you know, the World Economic Forum um, brought out some research, uh, I think it's a couple of years ago or so, that said that the um, the life of professional skills, which was, you know, once sort of 10 to 15 years, is now mm. about five years. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. you know, yeah. you no, can't just rely really. on your technical skills anymore. It, it's more about the adaptability. So that's what we're talking about when we talk about being future fit. Yeah. Yes, no, I can see that, and it's it's yeah, it's really really interesting, isn't it? I uh, I picked up on a on a stat the other day that Gen Z, the 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 young people just just in the process of starting to enter the workforce now, um, during the course of their careers, are likely to have three different, totally different careers, not just you know development mm. of one career, but three totally different ones with all of the new learning and skills that that. that you know that that entails but it's it's an irony that you you point to i think which is rather neat that this idea that hr can spend all their time getting everyone else fit for the future because obviously l and d usually falls under the remit of hr doesn't it so they spend all their energies and focus and getting everyone else up to scratch and and it's a bit kind of cobbler's children isn't it for getting to uh for getting to look after your own skill set so um, yeah, that irony is not lost, I suspect, on many of our listeners. So, um, <laughs> so, so tell us a little bit. I think you've got a you've got some um, sort of eight eight key attributes that you've identified as being key, and I, I don't suppose we're going to necessarily have time to go into all of those in any great depth. So perhaps I could just ask you to kick off with a brief overview of what those eight are, um, and then we yeah. can maybe talk about them in a bit more detail. Absolutely. So these these are more those um, behavioural type of, of um, skills and attributes, as opposed mm-hmm. to you know we know obviously that HR directors need to be the data savvy, need to be technical, uh, tech savvy, and all these things. But these are more about you as a as a person doing HR. So I think the, mm-hmm. the first thing which is really vital is um, being more of a horizon scanner. So mm-hmm. often I uh, talk to HR. Um, leaders and their teams and you know they're absolutely brilliant at anything to do with um, the sort of the day-to-day of, of HR and they're pretty good at the more strategic stuff but perhaps understanding the bigger picture stuff that's going on outside um, mm-hmm. for the emerging issues the changes that are likely to be coming up I mean at the moment we've, we've got so many of them with the uh, the trade wars with the, the political you know the mm-hmm. rise of populism then mm-hmm. there's climate change there's all these big picture uh, issues and it's stuff, really. you know understanding those and seeing what opportunities and threats they're going to bring um, yeah. to your organization and then bringing that down to obviously the impact on on hr so i think um we, we call it horizon scanning you might call it sort of looking outside <laughs> outside <laughs> in um, so making sure that you're, you're you're focused on on those bigger picture issues around competition and how you're going to remain competitive and sustainable. So I think that's mm. something that um, that, that uh, you know needs to have um, 
there needs to be more of um, an emphasis on really for for HR because they are absolutely brilliant, as I said, at, at, at doing the day to day job. Um, but as this mo- world is moving so quickly, that is not going to be enough. So that's one one thing. Um, one then thing, yeah. problem solver is fairly uh, <laughs> self explanatory, and we all need to be problem solvers, as we know. And, and again, HR is good at being a problem solver. But I think here what we're talking about is bringing that sort of evidence base. Um, mm-hmm. and some sort of lateral thinking to the table. Um, so lots of the challenge and the questions um, and not just you know, what everybody else is doing and, and the fads and we've heard um, you know, there's been a, a bit of criticism in the past of, of HR around being driven by fads. Um, I think it's moving a lot away from that, but I think it's quite early stages still on that, that sort of evidence um, base. And there's a huge amount of the day-to-day things that we talk about, which actually when you look at the evidence, it's pretty sketchy. <laughs> so uh, mm-hmm. I think that's one. Um, connector, so building partnerships and collaborative, um, you know, breaking down those silos, being more of a networker, um, I think when we're talking again about that new sort of networked, maybe less hierarchical type of, uh, of operating model, then mm-hmm. um, somebody's got to be able to, to see how those, those come together. It's also about, um, you know, bringing in, you can't do everything in this world. And I think there's going to be many more partnerships. We're seeing it a bit in, um, in learning, where people are bringing in the learning ecosystems, learning partners. They're, they're looking to get, you know, uh, immediate learning um, from YouTube and things like that. So I think that sort of how does that work? How can you connect those together? Um, mm. Then uh, our fourth one is, um, is value creator, which is a pretty um, uh, <laughs> top of mind one, really. Um, again, something we've been talking about um, for for a long time but actually really being able to drill down and say where the value you're bringing is Um, Mm -hmm. a lot of that will the evidence base um, helps with that Um, trying to drive those business outcomes and then helping to really prioritize those because uh, again what will be a priority going forward is not necessarily what we've had in the past so Mm -hmm. this, this more adaptable environment will need need different sort of uh, ways of showing that value um, yes. and then and it's, interesting, uh, it's interesting sorry to, to, to interrupt Sean but no, that value creator one that number four I think is a it's a really it, it's really interesting one isn't it because there's, there's so much talk isn't there about how does HR earn its place at the table at the senior table how does it get its voice mm-hmm. listened to at the leadership level and how does it earn its seat on the exec and um, yep. you know it's unfortunately fortunately unfortunately I don't know which way you like to look at it but you know if you want to do that you have to be able to talk in business KPIs you have to be able to understand and point to where the value is what the risks are to that value and how you can leverage that value and 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 enable it to deliver greater returns for the business don't you so that number four is is um yeah is a really really important one in terms of future (laughs) career development isn't it you know if you want to if you want to see your career developing um, that means getting a seat at the table, at the senior table, and that means really being able to do number four. Um, as, yeah. I mean, clearly, all of these are important, but, you know, that one does play to that agenda, doesn't it, I think? Totally. And I think, you know, if you start looking at, um, at how you measure value in, in, in organisations uh, today and, and as we move forward, uh, the people bit um, it is just so entrenched in that. And they mm. are now real assets and 
Together with that are also things like culture, which we touched upon mm. earlier, and purpose. Mm. Those are the things that are making a difference as to whether you get the right talent. And, mm. you know, they therefore have got a measurable, they're a measurable asset in that respect. If you haven't got a culture that will attract the best people, that can be innovative, that can be adaptable, that can flex, you, you're not going to win. You will mm. probably become obvious because companies are failing very fast at the moment. Yes, yes. So, you know, it's yes. right in the middle there, and it, it, it's got a great role here. Um, it's not an easy one to always show that value, but no. it can be done, and it will be done increasingly, I think. And, and you know, mm-hmm. HR can step up here and actually take the lead and show that value. So I think mm-hmm. it's a quite exciting time. For, yeah, for them the that, that does play to some of the other things that you, you, you I know you're going to touch on, but you know, trying to put a, trying to put some tangible value against things like the importance of purpose, trying to put some yeah. tangible value on. I mean, you know, think about what Unilever are doing around the whole sustainability agenda and and brand purpose, and only really investing in their brands which have got a sustainable and clear cut brand purpose. And where, how do yeah. HR play into that, and how do they you know, they, they, Unilever, they clearly understand that, but there's an awful lot of organisations who have not yet read that memo, aren't there? Yes, yeah. So, uh, so yes, it's a, it's, it's, it's a really interesting and good time. But you know, if they don't seize this, um, somebody else will come in and do it. I think. So, yes. you know, we yeah. really believe that needs to, to, to go up the agenda again. Um, and then, yes. then tied into that is the, um, is, is our fifth um, sort of. We, this is more of a role, really, which is what we hmm. would call an ethical guardian so coming back to the we've already talked about the skills that you need in terms of the the technical skills uh, understanding data is obviously Mm -hmm. becoming understanding analytics much more important so you need to be comfortable with that but I think the HR specific role here um, in addition is that sort of gatekeeper of of um, of employee data, that sort of ethical moral compass, the transparency. Because just because mm-hmm. you can get the data doesn't mean that it's good. <laughs> and, no. You know, areas that are, are quite contentious here might be um, data you can get from well-being apps. Uh, it could be, you know, there's some great examples of where people have businesses have put in sensors which they think are sensible because they're going to be measuring. Um, you know how much somebody's using a desk, for example, and is do they need all that the mm-hmm. the desk space? You know, so from an operational perspective, that makes a lot of sense. From a people bit, it looks like someone's spying on you. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and so yeah. really a big people bit here that can get lost in the in the <laughs> what seems like a very logical, sensible um, use of of a way of gathering data. So I think as we yeah. see the internet things moving and more sensors around and more and more data um, being mm. gathered, HR's got a very strong uh, role to play here to just sort of say, you know, that is it's interesting and I can see the business case, but this not may not play out well <laughs> with yes, people. Yes, yes there's um, always the law of unintended consequences, isn't there? Yeah, so we've seen quite a lot of that in various <laughs> technologies. <laughs> Companies, so I think you know there's a, there's a very interesting role for for, for HR leaders there, um, yeah. and actually uh, jumping over to what we called our number seven, but that actually ties quite nicely is it is a sense maker or you know a translator, um, somebody who can actually take what is going on higher, the strategy, the purpose, these new technologies, and actually really help the people to understand it. So 
these are skills like storytelling, for example, but also mm -hmm. just, you know, bringing the employees in early. So if you are going to put in sensors, you know, explain it in a way they understand. You know, I yes. think HR's a really good role here, working with corporate comms or internal, they may even be in charge of internal communication themselves, but, you know, it's not just their role, but they mm. can put that that people thing forward. They can help to say, you know, we need to communicate this in a better way. Um, so often things get put into place in, in businesses. I'm sure you've seen them yourself, and people are just like, what's going on? You know, why mm. this just happened? An email may just come through, and you've got no understanding of why that is the case, how that fits with what you're meant to be doing, what, you know, how that fits with the purpose. I mean, yes. you know, yes. the data being taken from you doesn't fit with a lot of the purposes that we're seeing today. So that role of putting the people in the forefront here and saying, yep, we get what you're saying, but let's help to translate this now into mm -hmm. a, a, a coherent understanding across the organization. So I think that's a, another very important. important one. Yeah, it's interesting you should talk. I mean, number seven is one that I've, is a sense maker thing. I think it's really, it's really key. And it was, it was really why, why taking off my engage with success at the minute and putting on my day job one at Woodreads. Um, we, we years ago began to focus entirely on the internal audience because we realized that so often they were the last to know and that yeah. external brand campaigns, external marketing campaigns, brand repositioning, um, could all be so much more effective and, and deliver so much better, such such more powerful results if we'd only actually let our people know first or involved our people in that initial thinking and shape and, and you know couch the communication in the right way so that they bought into it and endorsed it and, and were advocates rather than simple recipients of of, a, of an email that they may have actually missed yeah. or has been written so badly that they haven't understood the sense of it, you know, um, because yes. very often and they're the last to know and they get the worst comms, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, we've all been there, you know, sitting in a in a board meeting or whatever, and, and it makes sense to us because we've been involved in it from the beginning. Mm. But, you know, somebody needs to be that, that voice of the people just to sort of say, you know, this word, these words we use in the boardroom don't really mean anything your yes. average person um, yes. and we know corporate speak is <laughs> pretty poor and there's a lot Absolutely. of it so they really work with internal comms as you said or, or you know yeah. just work together to get that that message across but very sure. quickly um the two, two other ones we've got is yeah. just being an influencer which fits mm -hmm. again um, with with a, uh, these all, these all fit seamlessly together, really. But you know, this is this being being uh, a role model. You know, mm -hmm. don't be worried about to um, challenge. Be that sort of curious, brave person. Um, understand that your own biases, um, and, and you know, really help to um, to, to sort of influence uh, the, the board level. Um, about things, but also it fits with the sense maker influencing people uh, across silos within the business. So I think there's a really important role. And actually, we need HR to be more influential generally. So mm. there's a role also out there helping to help people understand that HR has such a vital role in this changing workplace. And, and yeah, finally, which 
is it all in is like we, we've called it a self investor and this is the bit about actually your own investing in yourself and it's not just your own learning which is absolutely vital of course um and and your unlearning um because we mm -hmm. all know what got here didn't you know won't get you there uh but it's also about investing in yourself in your own wellness in your own time you know in, in understanding your own priorities because if yes. if we all know if you're not resilient and if you don't give enough time to that um then you're, you're no good to anyone so it's sort of self-investment personally as well mm -hmm. as professionally um yes. which are, are, is a, a really important thing so um, i could add a little throw in nine actually to this which on, would then. be these these are all good but at the end of the day, uh, HR person has to be someone who takes action as well. You can have a lot of talking shops, but yes. you know, at the end of the day, you know, they do get things done. They do execute yes. stuff. They are action-orientated people. So you know, they can't sit in their little ivory tower. They need to be able to put these things into place and actually make them happen in the business. Mm. So that would be a little sort of extra one i guess <laughs> yes well which is which is potentially is it how you tie them you know you, you they all as you've mm. already said they all join together really they are interlinked um and there, there is a need to act, actually do something with this knowledge and this understanding and these uh, these skills rather than simply hone them in a in an yeah. ivory tower to actually apply them in a practical way yeah i mm. mean my my particular i was particularly struck with the value creator as we've already touched on um yeah uh, the, you know how, how relevant that is and of course that enables you to be an influencer if influencer. you are able to point to the evidence doesn't it and you've got the absolutely absolutely you know and, and um, i think the key again is this idea of prioritizing because you know if you look at the list of everything that an hr uh, department and hr leaders are involved in i mean it's huge there's a massive mm -hmm. massive amount of stuff that they do um yes. and and i think you know it, because we're in this more adaptable um, workplace and it will increasingly get so, it, it's really just understanding which of these in your business will create the most value. Um, mm. And it might be something completely different. So you need to go mm. back to really tracing back what is your business trying to achieve? Is it service orientated? Is it profit orientated? You know, sustainably? Is it purpose orientated? Um, all about sustainability. And then bringing that back to which of these things actually do make a difference here? Which ones mm -hmm. make a real out? And there's some very clever analytics out there that can, can help you do that. Uh, but then prioritizing really on the ones that, that uh, make the most impact and, and not, not getting too caught up with everything else. You know, you just yeah. sort of the minimum viable product for other things. But, um, yeah. but you know, really, yeah. really knowing those ones that will make that critical difference to you. Yes, that's interesting. I mean, I, I particularly like the the value creator and the sense maker angles because one is the sort of the rational the rational argument and plays to the yeah. head and the and the demands of 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 execs to have the data and the facts and the figures. But the sense maker plays very much to my own um, belief and, yeah. and, and you know, the evidence, all the evidence that points to the fact that actually people will uh, engage on an emotional level with the story that you're telling. And if those stories don't, if you're um, data doesn't chime with the stories that people have in their mindset and the way that they that they think then um, no amount of data is going to persuade them otherwise if you can tell a more powerful story so um, they kind of go together that sort of heads and hearts thing enabling you to be influence, an influencer as appropriate really and applying those two levers um, I think mm. it's fascinating. So interesting you talked about being a self-investor and it's not just about investing in your own health and well-being but 
uh, and we touched on at the beginning the kind of the irony of, of, of HR being so concerned with developing L&D and development for everyone else that they sometimes forget about themselves. Do you think that's, do you think that's why sometimes um, HR finds these things a little difficult to invest in in their own, in themselves? Yeah. It is it a matter of time? They're so busy looking after everyone else that they, they are the sort of last, they're last on the list and time runs out? That, that may be the case. Um, I, I think what's important to, to think about here is, uh, uh, as I said at the beginning, we're all talking about the need for people to take ownership of their own learning. So mm -hmm. everyone needs to do that. You know, it's not just that, that people at the top are different to everybody else. You know, we all need to constantly be, be upskilling ourselves. And there is something about, you know, the CEOs and I think there's some pretty entrenched ideas about HR and if you look at a lot of research out there, um, I know McKinsey did some which said that actually the reality of HR is that uh, generally it's just being pulled into operational issues and mm -hmm. getting taken away from doing any of the real value add and the real strategic stuff. Mm -hmm. So um, mm -hmm. there's something like 60% of their time is just on transactional operational HR even when they're right. trying to to add some some really good stuff um, now some of that will some of that transactional stuff will probably be taken away from HR as um, machine learning comes in and other other forms of automation we've already seen some the way but there'll be more and more um, which will release them to hopefully be able to do more of this value add but they won't be in the right position to do it for two reasons. One, if they haven't invested in their own, you know, their own selves um, from both the, the, the more technical, um, you know, data, people, analytics, that sort of side. Um, but two, if they're not perceived, perhaps, by the CEO, if their idea of HR is a little bit, um, you know, entrenched in this idea that they are only operational. Um, yeah. So it's a catch-22 here. And, you know, we don't invest. Leaders do not invest in things that they don't value. So mm. I think HR has to argue more for investment in itself, be it the right. HR director or the HR team, because if they can't convince their CEOs to invest in them, that's a bad sign in my view. Absolutely. And, that's, and so now we've run out of time. HR and so delivering real value and okay. will want to invest in them if that is the okay. case. Good stuff. Mm. Look, we've, I'm so sorry we've got the end of the show there's something you, is there, if you want to find out more um how can they how can they do so is there some they can email somewhere where they can email or website they can look at absolutely so our core website is just um www.thepeoplespace.com mm -hmm. the people space or one word or just drop me a line at sean s-i-a-n at thepeoplespace.com and i love hearing from people we like contributions okay. to the site we want to hear different people's viewpoints so um yeah really just just drop me a line and um, be delighted to hear from your from your uh, sean uh, thank you Thank you so much for joining us. Sorry to cut you off very quickly now, but uh, we've run totally out of time. Problem. It's been great to okay, hear from you. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Bye-bye now. Bye. Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work.